Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant, and uh, this is Stuff You Should Know. The podcast. Right. <laughs> How you doing, man? Uh, I'm good and well. How are you? The same. A little tired. Yeah? Yeah. Um, but other than that, I'm doing pretty good. Man, there's a lot of stuff going on today with this topic. Yes. Marriage, Chuck. You know? I am married. You yeah. are married. Yeah. We're married, but not to one another. Uh, that is true. And in the state that we live in, we couldn't, sure. even if we wanted to. Yeah, and this this is probably going to touch on same-sex marriage um, a decent amount because it's in the news. Sure. And hey, it's marriage too. Right. So we're not going to ignore it, but it's not necessarily just about that. It's about just marriage as a whole. Right. We would have called this one how same-sex marriage works yeah exactly yeah but now maybe we can not do that one if we cover it in this one you know what i'm saying how same-sex marriage works yeah i feel like we're going to cover it enough in this sure it's pretty straightforward stuff yeah um well let's talk about marriage all right okay um really if you boil the whole thing down it is as far as the government views it very 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 unromantically it's basically a legal contract between two people and sure. therefore, there are legalities that you have to go through. And as a result of going through this, this legal process, yeah. you are endowed with certain legal rights. Yeah. That's marriage. That really is, though. And it, it's like, I draw a distinction. I don't think it's like, oh, it's unromantic to call it that because that's what it is. It's a difference between a marriage and a lifelong relationship with somebody. That No, that's romantic, Chuck. Yeah, I mean, that's where the romance is. Marriage is just some official way of recognizing that. Right, okay. So, um, and it, I, I would imagine it's not just it's not just the um, desire to be, you know, to have your relationship recognized in that same way. Right. That it's a lifelong commitment legally. Sure. But also to get the benefits as well is one of the, uh, those are two probably very big reasons that same-sex couples want to be legally married or allowed to legally marry, right? Sure. Um, so since it's a legal process, Chuggers, um, all things start with an application. <laughs> all legal processes start by filling out an application and marriage right. is no different. Yep. You got to get that license and you got to apply to get that yeah. license. Yeah. And uh, here in uh, Emily and I went to Decatur, it was the sign on the wall was marriage and gun licenses. Yeah. We thought was kind of funny. Yeah. You get both in the same one stop shopping. Uh, <laughs> but each state has its own uh, laws regarding everything concerning marriage, especially the, well, not especially, but the first of which is the license and application process. How old you got to be? Mm-hmm. All that stuff varies from state to state. It does, and um, until very recently, uh, Alabama allowed kids as young as fourteen. I believe they were the youngest state. It says in this article that there was kids as, as young as age twelve. Yeah, were allowed I think, to get married. Uh, I New Hampshire, I think. Is that right? I think so, but that I think that was like only with like a court order or a. Court permission, like right, like a pregnancy or something. I don't know. Well, that that's that's one of the surprising things is in Georgia, um, if you're under 18, uh, you have to present a birth certificate, and I think your parents have to be present, both of them, unless the yeah. unless the bride to be is pregnant, and then all rules go out the window. Yeah, most states that allow it under 18, the parents have to sign off. 
Right. And there has to be like some reason. Yeah. But like we said, it varies from state to state and it would take two hours to go over all that. So if you're interested in getting hitched and you're 17, look it up on your state's uh, website. You don't want to go over it state by state? <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Do you remember the the uh, dude from um, Lost and then he was in one episode of X-Files? I can't remember his name. Which guy from Lost? I don't remember. <laughs> I, I didn't watch Lost. Okay. I just know he was on Lost. And he married, he's like pushing 50, okay. 40 something. And he married a 16-year-old girl. Really? Uh, yeah, and they were gonna, they were setting themselves up, I believe, to have a, um, a reality show or whatever. But her parents signed off on it. Uh-huh. Uh, I remember like the, there was a big, it was a big news story. Yes, yeah, I remember that too. Who they, was that They on moved Lost? to Nevada, or they went to Nevada to get married, which is not, um, Uncommon, I understand. To move to a different state? No, to go to to go to Las Vegas to get married. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, people do that. Yeah. So no matter where you are, you fill out this application. Uh-huh. You pay a nominal fee, uh, and then after y- your ceremony, you get a certificate that says you're married. Here's proof. Show it to whoever you like. Yeah. Sometimes you need a blood test. We did not need one here in Georgia. But that's what you always kind of hear, the old-fashioned thing, like, go down and get your blood test and get married. Yes. But, Make um, sure um, you are disease-free and not cousins. That's right. Is that what it's for, too, to check DNA? No, I'm no. Okay. I don't think they have the equipment to do that. <laughs> I didn't think so, either. Uh, and you can get married by varying, like, a bunch of different ways. Um, you can get married by your best friend, if you want to, as long as they get certified online Yeah. as able to do that. Right. Which is what we did with our father-in-law, just to make him part of the experience. That's neat. Stepfather, Emily's stepfather. The one in Ohio? Yeah. Yeah. They're all in Ohio. Right. Yeah. So, Chuckers, uh, now that now that you're married, um, according to federal law, you are eligible and uh, open for, I think, 1,138 federal benefits. Is that still correct? Uh, yeah, I saw over 1,100. Is that part of DOMA? Um, I'm not sure if that's a specific part of DOMA, but it's, it's probably a part of many different laws, you know, if there's 1100 plus. But it's, it's all, this is all specifically federal level laws. Yeah, yeah. So for example. And we'll talk about DOMA in a minute. Yeah, I, I believe we should. So, um, for example, if, uh, if Emily is in the hospital, you have a legal right to go visit her. That's right. I can even make medical decisions on her behalf. That's right, unless she has a living will. Right, which we would do together anyway. Um, you can get benefits if you're a federal employee. Um, you can get inheritance rights, property rights sometimes, even if there's no will. Yes, uh, Yumi can take out a life insur- insurance policy on me. Sure. And it's legal. Yeah. Tax benefits, of course, of being married. You can file that way. Um, you can receive Medicare, Social Security, Disability. Veterans benefits if you're a spouse, legal spouse. Yes, you can uh, immigrate your spouse to the United States Yeah, more easily, at least. Yeah, if I killed somebody, Emily could visit me in jail. That's right. And then prison right? as my spouse. And I would imagine, depending on the state, there would be conjugal rights as well. Yeah, definitely. So those are just a handful of the 1,100 entitlements that you gain. Do you don't want to go over all of them? <laughs> if, you have a list, if you have a list, I'll do it. <laughs> so, yeah, there there are a lot of good reasons to be married. You can also file jointly so you get a tax break yeah. there. Um, and in addition to, like, the legal benefits 
there's been tons and tons and tons of studies um, on marriage that show that like there's actually psychological, physiological benefits to marriage. Sure, people m- people happily married, I should say, um, not just married. Like the, there's a key to it. You have to be happily married. They tend to live longer lives. Yeah, true. Um, they uh, a two parent, a married parent household um, tends to produce more stable, well adjusted kids that do better in school. Yeah, that is supposedly true. Yeah, well, I mean, there's tons and tons of studies, yeah. it, but it, it doesn't necessarily relate to same sex or opposite sex. It's just married parents um, happen to to do that statistically. That's right. right. So what else? Uh, well, people are getting married later and later. I think everyone recognizes that. But um, to the tune of people born from 1935 to 1939, mm-hmm. 21% of men and 51% of women uh, were married by 20 and compare that to last year, uh, where the average age of marriage was 28.6 for men and 26.6 for women. Yeah. And basically, there hasn't been a year since the 1950s where the median age has not gone up. But it's you, just going up and up and up and up. Yeah, and you would assume that it would have continued to go up and up and up prior to the 1950s. But what's really interesting is in 1890, the average age that a man got married was 26, and it declined um, down to the 1950s and 60s when it reached its um, lowest level, lowest age. Oh, yeah. Which is like um, like 22 or something like that. And and then it started to go back up. Right. Which is very odd. Yeah, and it did it weird. for men and women. Because you would think in you know olden times, you could get married at age 12, you know, so people were getting married at maybe sixteen for a median age, but it right. was it was more than it was older than it, than people were in the fifties when they were getting married. Huh. So the fifties might have, might have just signified some uh, marital boom. Maybe. I guess hmm. people decided that um, they were not in, interested in premarital sex. <laughs> they just decided that. Yeah. <laughs> um. Have we covered polygamy? We did a full podcast on polygamy, Full podcast. Didn't we? Barely okay. even need to mention it. That's what I thought. When I was reading this, I was like, wait a minute. This this reeks of something familiar. <laughs> um, but that is a type of marriage. Um, and I guess go listen to that podcast on, did we call it plural marriage or polygamy? I'm sure we talked about it as plural marriage, but we called it how polygamy works. Right. And I guess the con- very condensed form of this is that it is... Uh, officially condemned by the Mormon Church these days, although an estimated thirty to sixty thousand polygamists still, uh, well, I guess, still practice polygamy. <laughs> uh, so there are other types of unions these days. Um, there, there are civil unions, domestic partnerships, yeah. and regular old-fashioned marriage. And uh, a civil union entitles same-sex couples the same legal rights as marriage and benefits. So that's, you know. Like you said, after two things, the benefits and just the common recognition right. among their peers. Like, yeah. I'm just like you, and I'm married just like you. Or, in this case, a civil union um, would only give you the rights and not the badge of marriage. Right. And there's nine states where you where civil unions are permitted for same-sex couples. That's right. Um, California, New York City, Maine and the District of Columbia, I believe, allowed domestic partnerships for same-sex couples. That's right. And actually, um, one of the one of the big um, same-sex marriage cases that's before the Supreme Court right now is a little old lady who um, lived with her uh, partner for decades, and 
because she has a domestic partnership under New York law, she didn't uh-huh. have to pay any tax. She didn't have to pay any inheritance tax, but she got slapped with like a three hundred ninety thousand dollar federal inheritance tax because the feds don't recognize their domestic partnership, right. and that was that's one of the cases the Supreme Court's hearing right now. Well, you can get full on same sex married as of December of two thousand twelve in Massachusetts, mm-hmm. Connecticut, Iowa, Vermont, New York, New Hampshire, Maine, Maryland. Washington State and the District of Columbia, and that is full same-sex marriage, like outright. And at the same time, 38 states have laws banning outright same-sex marriage. Yeah. So people are really drawing the line on this issue in this country. Yeah, well, it's a pretty polarizing issue. Uh, To say the least. Like 1996, I have one stat. Things are changing. 68% of people in 1996... Opposed same-sex marriage, mm-hmm. and then forty-eight percent uh, last year. So that's a twenty percent drop in fourteen years. You know, in researching this article, I've really, um, I've really, yeah, I've really found out that in nineteen ninety-six, we were a radically different country than we are today. Yeah, like socially speaking. We are really, really different. There was a lot of stuff, a lot of laws that passed and a lot of mentalities that were like supported legislatively that just don't make any sense today to a lot more people. Yeah. You know, like DOMA. Sure. The idea that that passed and like just kind of the meanness behind it is, is it just, well, I guess it's being picked apart right now, right? Yeah, the Defense of Marriage Act um, defined marriage as only a legal union between one man and one woman as husband and wife. And uh, Bill Clinton famously signed that and has been <laughs> sort of changing his story like every four or five years since then on mm-hmm. why he signed it. Because people kind of pick on him out like, Billy, dude, yeah. of all presidents, why did you sign it? Yeah. Um, in 96, he said, quote, I have a long, I have long opposed governmental rec- recognition of same gender marriages. And this legislation is consist- uh, consistent with that position. And then in 2008, he said, all it said was that Idaho <laughs> did not have to recognize a marriage sanctified Massachusetts. <laughs> That's pretty good, Clinton. <laughs> so he basically was like, Hey, listen, man, all I'm saying was it was left up to the states, which was a bit of a reversal. And then in 2009, he said, well, you know, the reason I signed it was uh, I thought the question of whether gays should marry should be left up to states and to religious organizations, and that if any church or other religious body wanted to recognize gay marriage, they ought to. So this is a bit of a – he's saying it's being spun as him coming out as, like, anti-gay mm-hmm. on certain levels. And he's saying, no, 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 you're rewriting history in a different way. What I really meant was let's just federally say this and let the states decide. But that's a pretty glib interpretation of DOMA. From what I understand, it basically removes states' rights. And that's one of the things that the Supreme Court's looking at now, too, is DOMA. Is yeah. DOMA unconstitutional? Right. And one of the ways that the um, the pro-same-sex marriage lobby could actually harm itself is if the Supreme Court decides to look at DOMA as a states' rights issues, issue right. <clears throat> and kicks it back to the states – then all of these bans will be upheld rather than just saying, no, it's it's unconstitutional because it bans marriage effectively between same-sex people. Right. <clears throat> so that's, I mean, it's not as, it, it is a state's rights issue in a way, but not in the way that Clinton's saying it. It, it doesn't allow states to kind of make up their own mind. 
Yeah, I think Clinton's <clears throat> trying to. I don't think he's super proud of it now, and I think he's sort of been backtracking ever since. Yeah, and on reasons why he supported it at the time. Huh. And, and you know, a lot of Congress people have come out since then and reversed their their statements on it, saying, you know, I've evolved in my thinking to this point, and I now think we should look into it more at least. Yeah, and not necessarily like fully in support of it. Um, but there are eleven countries. If you're wondering what it's like around the world. Like, all across the country, you can get married uh, if you are same-sex. Like, Argentina, Belgium, Canada, Denmark, Iceland, Netherlands, Norway, Portugal, South Africa, Sweden, and Spain. It is a federal, uh, it's legally allowed federally. Yeah. So, let's, you know, say what you will about that. If you well, want to get married, go to Spain. Sure. Um, move to Spain. You'd have to, like, go live there because if you came sure. back to the United States, it wouldn't be recognized. Yeah, or Netherlands. That's a nice place. South Africa, we've talked about that. Sure. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but, I mean, I, I think most people who want to get married uh, who are of the same sex want to stay at home. Sure. <laughs> they just want to get married at home, you know? Right. Um, this is a – and you're talking about a, a um, I guess – being allowed to be married in an entire country. There's been a couple of attempts to ban um, same-sex marriage as an entire country in the U.S., but have been unsuccessful. Oh, like uh, make it a constitutional amendment? Yeah. 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 And that has not happened. No. So uh, in addition to domestic partnerships and civil unions, that's one I find interesting. The reciprocal beneficiary relationship. Um, yeah. Which is a Hawaiian state law. Okay. And I guess it was kind of done away with in favor of civil unions in 2011 or 12. But basically it's it's it grants you the rights of a married couple. But it doesn't necessarily mean you're a couple in the eyes of the law unless you say we're a couple. It um it so like brother and sister can can be uh reciprocal beneficiaries. Right. Um an aunt and her nephew or whatever. It doesn't mean you're a couple. It means that like right. you can make legal decisions for one another and it's for people who are like dependent on, on one another. Yeah. Living situations, that yeah. kind of thing. So don't be super creeped out by that when you <laughs> say like brother and sister and stuff like that. Right. Uh, do you got anything else on same-sex marriage? Oh, um, no. I guess that's it. I'm very interested to see what happens. It's the civil rights issue of our age. And that's what a lot of people are arguing. Like, dude, let's just learn from history. Do we have to go through the same steps right. every time we do this? Right. Um, With allowing people rights. Yeah. Previously or, or him, sure. finally giving them the rights that, you know, everyone will in the future eventually agree they should have and should have had all along. Right. Um, but apparently we have to go through a, a, the same struggle every time for each group. Yeah. Before they get the their rights, their civil rights that are afforded to everybody. Sure, whether it's uh, African Americans sitting where they want on a bus or women voting. Um, yeah, it seems like this pops up every now and then in this country where people say, "Hey, wait a minute, I don't have the same rights as that dude over there." Right, and why not? It's very interesting. It is, and I'm I'm sure like that we're going to get a lot of listener mail about this. Yeah, well, you know, we're just putting it out there. This is what some people think, and that's what other people think. Yeah, I guess. And luckily we live in a country where you can voice those opinions. For sure. So before we move on to other parts of marriage, okay. let's take a quick little message break. Let's do it. And now we're back. With more marriage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. 
Um, so Chuck, one of the ones that I've always, uh, heard of is common law marriage. And I was doing a little research on it and it doesn't make much sense to me. I don't understand, like, apparently its origins were that's what marriage was. Like two people just kind of shacked up. Right. And they were viewed by society and the law as married. And then the, the church insinuated itself by saying, no, there's no more clandestine marriages anymore. You have to do this publicly and declare, you know, that you want to be married and there's got to be a priest and let's, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, somebody's got to be there. So let's have a witness or whatever. Right. And that, that's kind of like the rival of common law marriage. And, and as it's become more and more, um, prevalent, common law marriage has kind of fallen to the wayside. Well, don't you just have to shack up for seven years? No. (laughs) That is a myth. Yeah. Everyone always says, I always heard that. Yeah. And I think that's just a common misconception. Um, if you want to be, uh, common law married, you actually have to present as a married couple. Uh, you have to change your last name, file joint tax returns, Mm -hmm. basically kind of really live as if you're married, not just live together and fight over where to go to dinner. Right. You know, it probably wouldn't hurt to contact your local probate court and file something like saying, Hey, we're married, okay? Right. As far as you're concerned, we're married. We're common law married. Now, this only works if your state recognizes common law marriages. And yeah. Again, fewer and fewer states do these days. Um, in some states, if your common law marriage uh, was around before the 90s, uh-huh. certain dates in the 90s, it would be grandfathered in. Yeah, Georgia being one of them, right? Yeah. If you were common law married in Georgia before January 1st, 1997, you're still common law married if you still are. Nice. <laughs> and <laughs> states also don't, um, we, we joked about the seven-year thing, but there is no set time in any state that you have to live together to present yourself as common law man and wife. Yeah. Although I don't, you know. I don't know that you would do that after you just moved in together, but hey, you can if you want. Well, you know, um, talking about moving in together, uh, there was a study that recently found that more and more people are living together before marriage. Um, yeah, or instead of marriage. Right. Yeah. And also, apparently, one of the um, reasons we were talking about the marriage age increasing, uh, one of the pe- reasons they think that people are putting it off more and more lately, uh, especially millennials, is due to college debt. How sad is that? Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, so... So I'm broke, so I'm not going to get married? Yeah. Like, I can't afford to get married right now. That's that's terrible. I don't... So what does it cost you, though? I don't get that. Well, I mean, you've got to get a ring, and there's got to... I mean, there's just certain things to it, I guess, that... Certain costs? Yeah. Yeah. I guess it depends on what you're looking for out of your wedding and your rings and things like sure. it doesn't have to be expensive no you know it doesn't have to i just these college kids these days <laughs> well, i don't have enough money to get married yeah there you go give them some advice chuck <laughs> just get married go and get a cheap ring and get hitched at the courthouse so okay so um w- w- as far as shacking up goes more and more people are doing it apparently f- between 2006 and 2010 almost half of um straight women Ages 15 to 44 said that they have lived together with somebody who they weren't married to. And 100% of gay women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have another stat here that said uh, from 1982, uh, it has quadrupled the number of people. And this is people, percentage of women choosing to not get married and just cohabitate has gone from 3% to 11%. And um, what does this all mean to staying married? We're staying together, not a lot. 
the the divorce rate has hovered pretty close to 50% for quite a while. It goes up a little, goes down a little. Yeah. But um I was going to say hasn't it gone down some? It's gone down a little bit, but it's never like some enough of a stat to like you know, rewrite the the record books, you know. It's always gotcha. close to 50 it seems like. Um and then they found all sorts of interesting things. Um among women, uh there was a 52% chance that a first marriage would survive for 20 years and uh 56% of men uh, their first marriage would survive for 20 years. Oh, and another interesting thing they found that um your marriage is more likely to last if you went and graduated college. Huh. So 78% of women with at least a bachelor's degree made it to their 20th anniversary as opposed to what was that 52%? So that's a pretty big. Yeah, I wonder what the the explanation is for that. Uh I don't know. Maybe it takes a certain amount of tenacity to go through college and maybe it takes a certain amount of tenacity to stay married. Uh if you have kids going into the marriage with someone else, um you have less of a chance to stay married. 37% um of women marrying a man who already had kids made it uh 20 years. So, but if you have kids after you get married, you have a higher likelihood of staying together. Yeah. So having your own kids, good. Marrying into kids, bad. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> having your own kids is one of the um, one of the leading reasons that people stay together. Um, apparently, sure. there's also couples who drink together um, tend to stay together more. I believe longer, that. Especially um, if they drink about the same amount. Yeah, that would make sense. Um Couples who have, I ran across this 2008 study um, from the University of Denver, couples who have fun, which fun is defined as basically spending time together um, free of financial, family, or other stresses, Okay, um, they tend to stay together longer, which makes a lot of sense. Basically, if you go on dates with your spouse, you will stay together longer. And religion also plays a part. Mm-hmm. Uh, percentage of married women who say religion is important, uh, 60%. And percentage of married women who say religion is not important is 36%. And interestingly, it's about 10% less for men on both uh, saying religion's important, religion's not. Oh, yeah, that's... So I think uh, women just care more. The the, uh, the number one, um, I guess, indicator that people will stay together, uh-huh. not necessarily in marriage, but that like as a couple, um, is shared curiosity. Remember we did the how curiosity works yeah. years back. One of the one of the indicators that, or predictors, sorry, that a couple would stay together was that if both of them were curious people about the same things or just period, it, it, just in general, right? Um, and and it like beat out religion, um, all these other shared things that you would think that would you know keep two people together, you know, make them attracted to one another, but it was shared curiosity, a love of just being. Curious, as long as it's not curious about like, I wonder what it'd be like to have sex with that woman. Over <laughs> <Right. there. laughs> Precisely, yeah. It's bad curiosity, right? Yeah. yeah. So, since you brought that up, um, you sent a, another article on how stuff works that was pretty interesting that Molly Edmonds wrote about the seven-year itch. Oh yeah, did you check that out? I did. So basically, the seven-year itch is this idea that after seven years, people get bored with their marriage and they divorce or they stray or or whatever, right? Um, and there have been studies that have found that seven years is actually like a, um, a a significant moment in the average marriage and that a lot of them do end up 
dissolving at this point, right? Yeah, I think the median age in the U.S. is seven, just over seven years. So that would suggest that this old yarn is correct, right? But it's actually possible that it's even less than seven years. That it's uh, that there's an indicator that um, at four years, uh, marriages start to go, I guess, south, right? Um, and there's a, an anthropologist, an evolutionary anthropologist named Helen Fisher, who had a pretty good idea of uh, a pretty cool explanation. Or, I yeah, guess. I thought it made sense. Go ahead, level it. Okay. Well, she said that basically back in our um, earlier evolutionary age, Tuk-Tuk, Tuk-Tuk, um, Tuk-Tuk's era, uh, four years was about the time that a couple would spend together uh, conceiving and raising a child, and then it was time to do it again. Right. And they typically did it with other people, right? Spread the seed. So that so Fisher's basically pressing the point that we are evolutionarily hardwired to um, to not last in a monogamous relationship longer than four years. Right. Which is a pretty depressing idea, especially if it makes sense. Yeah. Um, but she also points out that there that being aware of this or understanding this possibility can let you guard against it. Uh, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like, keep your marriage exciting. Have fun with your spouse. Go on dates with your spouse. Right. You know, and you can, you know, beat that four-year or seven-year itch or whatever. Yeah. Just don't, like, research that stuff. Come up with your own stuff is what I say. What but, research? Like, there's gazillions of articles on, like, how to keep your marriage spicy. Yeah. And it's just... I, I encourage you not to read those. If you want to spice up your marriage, just try some things on your own. Don't read Red Book. I, I don't know, man. If Red Book helps, then uh, Red Book helps. To well, I guess that's own. true. It's our motto. All right. So, you know, go ahead and read those articles. And they'll, <laughs> they'll tell you to, you know. What do they say? Oh, they all say things like it's all like sex-based usually. Uh, or actually, that's not true. They'll you're say, talking like, about Cosmopolitan, not Red Book. Be more active with your husband and uh, get him out hiking. Yeah. And then dress up as a French maid every once in a while. <laughs> it's just like, I don't know. I mean, if those articles help you, then it's all well and good. Okay. I take it back. Um, well, you were saying like the, what to do, like go out on a hike or something like that. This, sure. this study from 2008 from the University of Denver pointed out that um, when you go out on a date, you should be aware that your spouse may not have the same idea of what a date is that you do. Depending yeah. on your sex. That's true. Like for women, having going on a date is like a uh, chance to have a, an intimate conversation. Yeah. Just basically friend time, close time. Get to know someone. Whereas like the dude is more prone to think a date is like going to a movie or going to a baseball game or something like that. Right. That you go do together. Yeah. And you're on a date and you're sitting next to another and like you lean over and kiss and everything, but you're both watching the game. Right. Can you just watch the game? Right. You know? Yeah. So uh, you, you, I guess, uh, again, an awareness of that will probably get around any weird situations where you're just like, we went on a date. How are you not happy? Yeah, that's a good point. I found that sporting events, I get kind of chatty, though. Well, you would be a perfect date. You know? Yeah. And Emily will go to baseball games, but like literally the only time I took her to a Falcons game, she brought magazines. That's funny. And <laughs> people around me were like so pissed. That's like, funny. What a waste of a ticket. Yumi's like a perfect woman in that, like, will go into shows or something like that. She doesn't like, she's not chatty during shows, especially. Like a concert? Yeah. Like, you know, when you're at a concert and it's like 
They're playing the music, and, and there's the loud person. See him, and then somebody just wants to talk to you the whole time. Yeah, yeah. it's not like that. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm always right next to that person. Whoever the most obnoxious person in any crowd is, I will be no more than five feet away from them. So you're a magnet. I, I feel like I am. Yeah, but I've tried to. I've installed a new policy in my life. I used to just get upset, and because I'm non-confrontational with strangers, I would just sit there and my blood would boil. Yeah. Whereas there's three ways you can go about it. You can do that. You can confront the person and say, hey, would you mind keeping it down? I would never do that. Mm-hmm. But the third option I've discovered here in my 40s, just move. Yeah, that's a good one. Unless you're like in a reserve seat, I just go stand somewhere else. It's just not worth it for me. Yeah, that's good, Chuck. Yeah, and I find that, that I'm all of a sudden not obsessing over this loud person next to me while Steve Malkmus is telling a nice story on stage. <laughs> uh, and I just avoid the drunkest people in the room. That's good. It's always a good motto. There you go. Yeah. Uh, what else you got? Uh, I got nothing else. Cool. We did it. We did how marriage works. Marriage. Good. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, if you want to learn more about marriage, there's like a whole channel almost or a sub channel or something on the site, I believe. If you want to learn more about marriage, get married. <laughs> yeah. Cause you're going to learn everything you need. Yeah. Uh, it's like immersion. Yeah. Learning through immersion. <laughs> Um, you can also type the word marriage into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com if you and your partner are curious types. Um, and that would be probably a predictor of your long-term success. Um, and I think I said predictor in there, so it's time for listener mail? Not quite. It's time for a message break. Okay. Okay, and now it's time for listener mail, huh? No, no, Josh, not listener mail. Oh? We're going to continue, I believe, part two of what will be three of administrative details. Uh, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to kick it off. You ready? Please. I want to give a big shout-out to our buddy Ryan Flanders. Oh, yeah. Over at Mad Magazine for sending us a ton of great stuff. Magazines, hats. Pins. Pins. Masks. Buttons, masks. Yeah. Uh, and beyond like the coolness of that, it's just the fact that because of our careers, we've been able to talk to people at Mad Magazine and Uncle John's Reader and Archie Comics. Yeah. And, like, they listen to the show. It's just, like, that just totally knocks us out. Yeah. We grew up on Mad and continue to read it today. Yeah. All right. So. What, you got? No, just read a few. You okay. Uh, we got a very delightful letter from a boy named Ethan L. from Windermere, Florida, with a request for an episode on Minecraft in the hopes that it will change his mom's opinion about him playing it. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to do that, but thank you for the letter, <laughs> Ethan. Uh, Physique Body of Tea in Boulder, Colorado sent us uh, tea. Yeah. It's delicious. Right. It's weight loss tea. That's nice. Yeah. I thought you'd been looking more svelte than usual. Oh, well, you know. Uh, We got a CD and vinyl of the album We Build a Fortress on Short Notice by the band Self Evident. It's awesome. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, Yeah, and on the music tip, um, the La La Band sent us their CD Moonshine Still. Mm -hmm. And the Death Billies. Yeah. They sent us a packet. They do... Metal mashups of jukebox country classics. It, it's pretty cool. I haven't listened yet. But yeah, I'm they're intrigued. They're pretty cool. Is it awesome? And they gave us cool buttons too. Okay, so thank you, Death Phillies. Um, we got a nice letter written in cursive from Larry uh, Ninas. Ninas. That's what it. He he even spelled out how to say it. Ninas. Oh, really? He lives in Lagrange, Georgia, and uh, he was prompted by our episode on memory and possibly synesthesia. He had some good theories. Nice. Uh, Katie Sinner sent us a nice handwritten letter. She's doing something really cool called the Letter Project, wherein she sends a letter to someone who inspires her and asks, what are you uh, pursuing in your life, and how do you know when you've gotten there? And Mm. she sent us that letter, 
And Katie, the answer is we're pursuing podcasting excellence <laughs> and we, uh, we we're never going to rest. Like we, we've not gotten there because there's still many more things to explore. Yeah. And the beat goes on here. Stuff you should know. It's the curse and the gift of perfectionism. That's right. Uh, let's see. We got a wedding invitation from Savannah and Jonathan. Mazel tov. <laughs> uh, Sarah Yakawanis sent us some cool graphic posters. I found those. We did get those. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and she has an Etsy shop at Takawanis Quilling. Dot Etsy.com, and that is T-A-K-A-W-O-N-I-S, Quilling, dot Etsy.com. And they're really neat. I like graphic posters. I like how you say her last name, too. Yes. Um, we got a postcard from the Trinity Nuclear Testing Site in New Mexico from our friend Billy Ray Cyrus, and another <laughs> associative one from uh, Van Nostrand. Oh, really? Yeah. Sent us a couple of postcards, so thank you, buddy. Um, and we got a book from Thomas Trask. He sent his book, Prism. Colon, Shadow of the Fates. Nice. We get a lot of colons in our book titles here. Well, that's the thing, I guess. Is if you have a lot to say, I guess so. You throw the colon in there. So thanks you, uh, thanks to Thomas Trask for that. Uh, we got an anonymous note suggesting we do something on lactose intolerance. <laughs> Thank you, anonymous. <laughs> right. Uh, postcard from Antarctica from Liz and Dan from San Francisco who went there on their honeymoon. Congratulations. Nice. What else you got? Um, we got some postcards from Christina Bennett, uh, Australia Road Signs, uh, Operation Enduring Freedom Afghanistan postcards. Some odd postcards. <laughs> Thank you. Cool. You want any more? Uh, yeah, do a few more. I'm out, but. Okay. Um, we got some picture links and a nice letter from Adam Pervez. He's the chief happiness officer of happinessplunge.com. You can go check it out. Do you remember when we talked about uh, gross national happiness. Yeah. And we asked about people who dropped out to like just go pursue their own happiness. Is that the happiness plunge? Yeah, happinessplunge.com. We got downloads of Jazz Animals and Independence, Louisiana by uh, Burke and Graffia. You can check those out. Nice. Those uh, tracks. Um, we got a Georgia Tech Club <laughs> t-shirt from JT Ginter. Yay. You remember him? Yeah, that was very nice. And we were just kidding about booing Georgia Tech. Eh, kind of kidding. Nah. And I'm going to do one more, and then we'll save the rest for next time. Uh, we got a letter suggesting meditation as a topic from Rob Hollerbach. Or right, Hollerbach. I, I used to meditate. Yeah? Yeah, I'd like to get back into it. It was nice. Okay. Jerry laughed at that for some reason. <laughs> it was nice. Uh, well, that's it. That's for that's administrative details. Yeah, part two of three. We'll finish up, and then... Um, yeah, I'll split these up between us next time. Great. Okay, so uh, if you want to send us something, you can get our address out of us by tweeting to SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. Uh, you can send us an email to StuffPodcast at Discovery.com. And seriously, come check out our website. It's really neat. Uh, it's called StuffYouShouldKnow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 